Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Lockdown Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we broke down the Warriors after 10 games and looked at what's a realistic ceiling for this team. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, we went through a, a period there during during the the doldrums of the off season where you were coming on felt like every week and now it's been a it's been a few weeks so it's it's good to have you back how you been the past few weeks i've been good man um it's nice to have real basketball back right i mean we we talked kind of around this season and about this season so much um and about how these pieces would fit together and and all these things and to finally you know be 10 games in and and have an idea of what this team might look like and um just be able to talk about like real basketball games has been really nice yeah and it's been a it's been an interesting season throughout the nba um but especially with the warriors i mean it's they've already they've already had like they've packed an entire narrative of the season to a few weeks in my opinion you know you have you start out with the the, the embarrassing losses to brooklyn and milwaukee losing by a combined 65 points then you you know you 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 kind of have some growing ups and downs, growing pains, and then you start now you're starting to really see them winning some games that you wouldn't expect them to win, and, and the manner that they're winning these games is the thing that's really standing out to me. You know, Friday against the Clippers, coming back from that huge deficit, relying on on Steph, and then um, the other day against Toronto, that was one of the most surprising games I think I've seen in the NBA, just because. You never expect a, a Warriors team like this to be able to win a game um, against any team when Steph is having the worst shooting night of his career. Right. It kind of bucked the formula, right? Uh, the, the Warriors had not won a game where Steph didn't score more than 30 points in that game until that one. Um, look, I think that this team, over the last couple games, this is, there was a lot of negativity about the team. You mentioned the two blowout losses, uh, Clay Thompson being out, right? The the pieces trying to work together and it, it being as clunky as it was. Uh, is this team going to be a pick and roll team? Are they going to have the motion offense that Steve Kerr likes? Like all these questions kind of contributed to an overall negative tone when we discussed this team. But I've been saying this over the last couple of games. I think we need to uh, uh, kind of change our tone when we talk about these Warriors. It's not quite, look, they're rebuilding, but they're not, they're not in the, bottom of the they're not in the basement of the nba like they were last season and so i think it's time to start discussing the warriors as a legitimate playoff team a team that should be one of the best probably six or seven teams i think in the western conference when everything's said and done uh if everything you know plays out the way that that we expect uh and i think that's that's got to be a positive right this team's fun to watch it's not without its holes right there's still some issues there's still kelly Oubre. And his struggles, but uh, overall, I think the team has found ways to win. They play really hard. They're fun to watch, and they're in the thick of it in the West. Yeah, I mean, you when I went on Bram, I went on Warriors Huddle yesterday, and and with Bram Hills, our friend Bram Hillsman, and they asked me, um, you know, for your, your biggest positives and your biggest negatives from this season, and I did, had no problem coming up with a bunch of positives. And the negatives, obviously, Ubre and his shooting. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, there weren't any glaring ones. You know, you could talk about like Jordan Poole and like uh, you know things like that. But I mean, if you're going down the, the list outside of Ubre, you know, Wiggins, I think, has given you what you need. 
uh, in a lot of ways, both offensively and defensively. Pascal has started to figure out his role as a small ball center. Um, you know, James Wiseman is still a work in progress, but he's at least showing you that he can be a great player in this league down the line and, and was worthy of that number two pick. Um, you know, the in Steph has obviously been playing at an MVP level uh, the other night aside. So to me, it's like, and you even look at some of these other bench pieces like Brad Wanamaker, I think has given you exactly what you wanted him to be giving you. Uh, Kent Bazemore, after not really playing much to start the season, has emerged as a really solid, you know, bench guy um, and has, has, has given you that that 3 and D potential that you were looking for. And then Michael Mulder, you know, is a guy who basically was the 15th man on the roster and is proving that he's not only an NBA player, but I think he's a legitimate rotation player in the NBA. And he's done exactly what you need him to do, knocking down threes at a high clip. And Damian Lee. Also, you know, he has really most built clutch off, player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he was he's really built off what was a breakthrough year for him last season. He's shooting what around 50 percent from three. He uh, he's he's hit two game winners. If you count those free throws the other night. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the only can I just say something? Can I just say something about Mulder? Yeah. Uh, watching some of these threes that he takes and the way that the Warriors use him, it's really interesting. They use him in some of the similar sets that they have for Steph, which I think is interesting. He does that, that relocation thing that Steph Curry does. He likes to come like down the baseline and then pop out the other side of the defense and all these things. He's really figured it out where I think some other players are still, it, it, they're still trying to figure out what it's like to play with Steph. And Michael Mulder only played one game with Steph Curry last year. I think, I think he played in that game against Toronto. I'm not even sure he did. I'm trying to remember, but um He's really figured out kind of the the flow of this offense really early, and I think that's partly why. Obviously, his shooting. He tries super hard on defense, even though he's undersized. But um, yeah, I think he's one of these guys that has has learned to figure it out, and I think that's part of the Warriors' process this year. Is okay, which one of these guys can figure it out and coexist with Steph and all these things? And those are the players that tend to get on the court with Steph. Yeah, and I mean, I know you and I have always kind of been high on on him mm -hmm. I, I really i know it's the g league but i was so impressed by what he did in the g league i mean his, from just a statistical standpoint playing that duncan robinson role uh he shot you know he shot around 40 percent from three in the g league last season on a super high volume around uh, you know 10 plus threes per game um and it's not easy to translate to that, that to the nba you saw some growing pains with him during his 10 day last season, I think he only shot like 30% from three. Um, but he just seems like he's really comfortable out there. He seems like he belongs. Um, and Steve isn't one thing I like about Steve is Steve is not afraid to play these guys, these no name guys, meaningful minutes and give them a, a genuine shot. You know, whereas I think other coaches in the league might, you know, just kind of lean on their guys who have a little bit more pedigree. Yeah, and look, I think that's why you go out and you sign Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore. It's just insurance in case these guys like Mike Mulder and Damian Lee and uh, Eric Paschal can't really find a spot, you know, because it's easy to find a place for Wanamaker. It's easy to place to find a place for Bazemore. But these guys have stepped up. Um, like you said, I it's there's a lot of positives. There are some glaring negatives, right? I, I do think that the starting lineup is still an issue, and it's not just Kelly Oubre. He's sort of become the avatar of problems with the starting unit, but 
James Wiseman and Draymond Green have had a hard time kind of playing off of each other, even though, you know, Draymond is Wiseman's vet. Um, but the on-off numbers with those two aren't great. I, I I think they'll get better, but the Warriors have been so much better when Kevon Looney is on the floor than when Wiseman is on the floor, as, as, as interesting and as exciting as Wiseman has been. Again, I you chalk that up to the fact that he's only played, what, 13 games since high school or whatever, that, that stat that Steve Kerr rattles off all the time. He'll get better, right? That's the development thing. That's sort of the lump that you take early uh, in order to to kind of maximize his value and his role by the end of the season and hopefully come playoff time. Uh, but then there's other stuff too. Um, you know, it, it seems right now, and this would be my biggest concern if I'm the Warriors, can Steph Curry keep doing this? Can he keep doing what it is that he has had to do? Even against Toronto, man. I mean, I know he didn't score but he was such a fulcrum of the offense and he was just, he was bloodied. He was beaten. I mean, and look, the, the Raptors are uniquely suited to do that to him. And I don't know that there's another team in the NBA that can, but they're going to try. Right. And, and if Steph is playing at an MVP level now, can he sustain that throughout the rest of the season? That would to me be my main, it, that would be really my only concern. If I was the Warriors, Kelly Oubre will figure it out. And if he doesn't, oh, well, he's a free agent after the season. Anyway, no big deal. Uh, James Wiseman will continue to get better. These other pieces will continue to develop. My biggest question is whether or not Curry can sustain this type of performance because they're going to need him to. No, and I mean, kind of going along with that, my big question is, can he stay healthy uh, for an entire season? Because even if, you know, it's not a a broken left hand type situation like last season, um, even if it's just like an ankle sprain that sidelines him for eight to 10 games. I mean, that could be disastrous for this team, you know, you know, especially given the fact that this is a 72 game season, as opposed to an 82 game season, every regular season game matters that much more. And, you know, if you are without Steph for 10 games and let's say you go like two and eight during that, that period, which would be realistic. um, You know, that could be the difference between being a six seed and being potentially, you know, having to do a play in game or just not even be in the picture at all. So um, that to me is the the big question. Um, the good thing about it is even though Steph has been so uh, they've been depending so much on Steph, he's his num his minutes still aren't crazy. They're still around where you want him to be, um, and I think that's really what matters. Um, his usage rate is still not that insane, actually. Um, so it's it's interesting, but I actually think that they're doing a decent job of of preserving him. And I also think that, you know, it really helped him that he had not a nine month off season after only playing five games last season. So I feel like he is well rested after what was a complete grind for five years. Yeah. I mean, look, he's got no excuse really for the wear and tear stuff. Like that argument isn't going to hold up because everybody's going to say, well, you guys kept talking as an organization about how this injury is actually a good thing because you're going to have less miles on Steph Curry next year when you're trying to compete again. And then if that argument goes out the window after 30 games, then, you know, it, it's it, it's a little disappointing. Uh, but look, I, I do think that they need to figure out something. I, I think the usage rate numbers are worth bringing up with him because you don't want him necessarily being James Harden and running pick and roll after pick and roll. But he doesn't have to necessarily use a possession to also get beat up. Like he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands for another team to beat him up. Like even if he's just running around the the perimeter and trying to get open, teams are going to bump him and everything like that. And he's going to get, a, he's going to get no credit for usage on that possession if he never touches the ball, but he's still getting like just bumped around and all that stuff. That to me would be, uh, 
that to me would be my problem is because even when he is off the ball, there are teams that are because because the way that the Warriors like to use their off ball ball screens, they bump him and show on him just as if he were to have the ball. In the past, you couldn't bump him and show on him because that meant leaving Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson, who probably one of them probably had the ball or Jamon Green or about to get the ball. Now you can just do that. I mean, the thing with this, at least with the starting lineup, is that opponents just ignore dudes completely. Like even Andrew Wiggins, who's having a career year so far, they just sort of ignore him. And if he gets going, then they'll deal with it. But their first thing is to get is to take out Steph. And that to me is why James Wiseman is so important, is because he's seven feet tall. He's a vertical threat, um, a different kind of floor spacing dynamic than Steph brings to the table, but something that you need to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to if you're the defense. You're, if you're the defense, you're willing to live, even with Andrew Wiggins shooting a career high from three-point range, you're willing to live with him taking open three-pointers. You're obviously willing to live with Draymond and Kelly Oubre taking open three-pointers. You're not willing to live with James Wiseman dunking at the basket, right? And so I do think that they need to find a way. This seems strange, but they do need to find a way to get him involved a little bit more. I actually think they could use more just straight-up 1-5 pick-and-roll with Wiseman. You know, I just think that that seems to be the easiest thing to get Wiseman involved, especially early in the games. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed with Wiseman, I, I talked to his mom about this the other day, actually. Um, he he gets really frustrated with himself, um, yeah. and I think it affects his play at times. Um, he's a perfectionist, um, and I think there's definitely some some positives to that. He cares a lot. He tries really hard he's he's very diligent in in film study and you know practice and doing doing all the right things but when it comes to a game situation and things don't go his way you see him getting visibly frustrated and i think there have been a few times where it's affected his play um you know the other night you know he 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 there was that sequence in the first quarter where he got really frustrated offensively and then talked to steve briefly and then you know walked to the end of the bench and was fuming um you 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 he needs to do a better job of having a short memory of moving past bad plays um which i think is just part of navigating the nba you know it's part of just learning how to be a professional yeah and when he's on the floor with draymond He'll forget really quickly because there's going to Draymond Green is going to be yelling at him so much that his the little voice in James Wiseman's head he's just not going to be able to hear it anymore, right? So that'll that'll be helpful. Look, I'm not that I'm not all that concerned. I think you're right. You just chalk that up to him being young. Um, you see that with young players all the time. I'm not I'm not as concerned about it. When you talk to James, um, you get the sense that he's at least aware of it which is half the battle right he's cognizant of it he, he he's taken up mindfulness practices he's been meditating for years all these things like i think he's got i think he's got the right mindset it's just about sort of putting it into practice in games and you know right now these mistakes to him are so big because these are the first games of his career but the more games that he plays the less that these mistakes to him are going to matter and stand out right because he's just going to have a larger sample size for himself uh, what he just need, and that's why I think the Warriors try to get him going early on, and I think that's the right move uh, because they, I think they want to get him in a groove. But his minutes with the starting lineup is small. He he subs out midway through the first quarter. Kevon Looney always comes back in, and then the Warriors tend to go on a run, right? 
um, which is fine. You know, Kevon Looney right now is their best center, which sounds weird because James Wiseman has been so impressive at times. But the number, like the metrics are way in favor of Kevon Looney, and he's been really good. I think he's only missed one basket in the last two games. Like, he's been quietly super efficient um, and, and a really good screen setter. He's doing the right things on defense. I mean, he looks great, man. He's been pl- he's playing the best now that, since the 2019 finals run. So um, they can afford to be patient with Wiseman. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking about Draymond a little bit, um, what have you thought about Draymond's offense? I know he's he's been what you've needed him to be defensively, um, and then he's 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 been a facilitator, um, which are his two biggest assets, the two biggest things he brings you, but. Um, it seems like he's been actively trying not to shoot. Um, he's he's only averaging 3.8 field goal attempts per game, uh, which is his fewest by far since his rookie season when he barely played. Um, what do you think? What's up with that? <laughs> he's sort of entered the part of his career where he's like, I don't need to shoot to be effective anymore. And because he's an established NBA player, he's a future Hall of Famer. And there's, I think, um, just this it's not reluctance but there's just this i'll show you type of attitude that he has to scoring that said i found this interesting on his instagram story the other day somebody posted a picture of the scoreboard where uh what did he have against toronto he was one rebound shy of a triple double um and uh somebody said almost the triple double and draymond said i'll get it next time so next time would be tonight's game against indiana so we'll see Maybe he tries part of that triple-double, unless he's going to do it with blocks or steals, part of that triple-double is going to involve points. So maybe something clicked. It does, it's not going to take much. He's going to have the most he, – he's gotten such open looks, and mostly they're from three-point range. But, you know, it would be nice if he made three field goals a game. You know, it's, that's not even one shot a quarter. And I, I think that the Warriors are going to need him to do that, not every night, but on, certainly on nights when – like the Warriors don't win that game, obviously against Toronto, if Draymond Green doesn't score ten points, right? Because Steph only had twelve. They need him to do that on those kind of nights, but not every night. And that that that's sort of always been Draymond's thing, anyway, right? We remember the triple double in the finals and all that stuff. When the Warriors have actually needed him to score, he stepped up and scored what it took for the most part. Um, right now, I, he's he's a point guard, right? He kind of. He just play. He sees what's going on. He passes the stuff. Right, you've got going great. Hey, you know Wiggins is having a good night. You know this guy's doing something here. I don't need to score. I'll get everybody else involved. But if he sees that they need a little bit more, he has tended over the course of his career to give them that little bit more. So he's a game manager, right? And I mean that in the best way possible. I kind of went into the season saying you can't expect ten points a game from Draymond Green. I'm honestly at the point now that I don't think you can expect any points from Draymond Green per game. It's He's literally just going to give you what he thinks is that, that he needs to give you. And other than that, he's going to try to get you 10 rebounds and 10 assists a game. I wonder if it's like something with the dynamic between him and Steve, because that's always that's been a thing throughout Draymond's career is Draymond doesn't believe that Steve 
believes in him offensively um, as a scorer or as a shooter. And so I wonder if that's the thing. I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Next time we talk to him, we'll have to ask him more about that. But um, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm having a really hard time getting a grasp on what this team's ceiling is in the Western Conference and what's realistic for them in the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, every time we go on a podcast or a radio interview, that's that's what we're asked, you know. And I have a couple go-to answers, but um, it, it's it's just been hard for me to really figure out if this six and four record through 10 games is uh, is a fair is a is an accurate barometer for how good this team is or if this is a little bit better than they actually are um what do you think I don't know because look over the last six games basically since Draymond Green got back they've had the uh, top 12 defensive rating and a top 10 offensive rating uh, they're they're able to score points. The you know I think the Toronto game proved that that they were able to you know get past 100 points when when Steph Curry had the worst shooting night of his career. They could score, man. Um, it's not always pretty, right? The pieces don't fit perfectly together, but they get points. Like we keep talking about Kelly Oubre having an off like, having this having this uh, bad season. He's at least averaging 12 points a game, right? I mean this is and this is somebody who we've been writing off as the worst offensive player in the league. It's not quite that bad. I'll give Kelly Oubre some credit. He finds ways to to produce at least in the box score. It's just the three. Uh, yeah, it's just the three point range. It's just the three pointing thing. Uh, three point thing. But um, I, so I, I do think those numbers are a little inflated. I I I, I do. I, I don't know that this is going to be the twelfth best defense in the league by the time it's over, and I don't know that it'll be a top ten offense by the time it's over. But it, they'll be right around there. You know, they'll be top 15. I think they're going to be above average in both categories, um, which is good enough, right? When you're that balanced, this is a balanced team and they're consistent. They play hard every night. They play consistently. And that's half the battle during the regular season, man. The Warriors in the past, they got to just breeze through games and make the postseason. It was no questions asked. Now they're like these other playoff teams where a lot of times it's just the look at the Indiana Pacers over the last several years. They have not missed the playoffs. Why? It's not because they're supremely talented. It's because they just play super hard. That's that's a lot of what the NBA is. Um, so I think I, I think that that that's those are those are trends that I think can be a constant throughout the year. Uh, the three point thing it, it worries me. They, they they give up a lot of three pointers. Teams are also making a lot of three-pointers against them. They're giving up the third best uh, three-point percent rate uh, to opponents this season. It's like 37% of opponents' threes are going in. You would think that probably comes back down to earth at some point, and um, it's not so ugly, but the Warriors also give up a lot of three-pointers uh, in spots that you don't really want to give them up, like in the corners and stuff like that. That that is, they, They've started to do a better job of that, I've noticed, over the last two or three games. Uh, but they, that's something that I think they're going to need to clean up. Um, so, look, th- this team is not going to com- compete for a title. They're not. They don't have the talent. I'm so, they just don't. Um, and when, when, when it's all said and done, you know, it's the most talented teams that tend to get there. But um, I think they're going to be a legitimate playoff team. I, I think all the metrics point that way, what the eye test, you know, points that way. The only concern would be whether or not they can sustain more inter- uh, injuries because they've got three guys on this roster who are just non-factors. You know, three spots on this roster that are wasted between Clay Thompson, Marquise Chris, and Alan Smilagic. 
you you can't really afford more injuries so that would be maybe the biggest risk concern but other than that man i think this team's legit and when i say legit i i they maybe they can win a first round series it's possible it's possible the thing the thing that is impressive to me is the growth um you know they they it seems to be a team that is filled with pretty high basketball IQ guys and guys who um know they they know the opportunity in front of them and they care and they're putting in the work and they genuinely seem to like each other there's almost kind of like a college basketball team vibe around this team obviously we're not in the locker room this season unfortunately but you get that vibe um, a lot of young guys who you know are kind of at similar stages of their lives and can can relate to each other and understand each other and um you know that that stuff matters especially over the course of a of a long grind of an nba season and and so i think that they're going to continue to get better i think i think steve has kind of figured out a rotation that works for him um which is really important um that was to me probably the biggest development in some ways of the first 10 games is 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 finding what you what you like with that second unit and certain developments like figuring out how how much Wiggins can be a playmaker in this offense and and Pascal can be a small ball five those things are huge um I and I I, I'm one of the people who thinks that Steve should not be changing his starting lineup anytime soon yeah there's no answer to the starting lineup right um what do you do you don't you can't move Kelly Oubre to the second unit because the whole reason that that second unit is thriving is because of the floor spacing, right? And you can't put Kelly Oubre, who's, you know, the worst three-point shooter in NBA history right now, into that unit. So that doesn't work. Um, you can't really reduce his minutes uh, because he's only playing 27 or 28 per game, and he's a starter. And so whatever whatever damage has already been done to his confidence, you're only going to do more damage if you, if you play him 20 minutes a night. Um, I, I think they need to break up his minutes with Steph a lot. There's been viral clips going around about, you know, him being in Steph Curry's way all the time and stuff. And look that, that those numbers are reflected in the on off stuff, but, um, I don't know how you do that. You can't really flip his, his rotation pattern with Andrew Wiggins because Andrew Wiggins is finding a groove. So I don't know what you really do with Ubre, but I, I think. It's been an issue, but I thought I think the issue has been a little overstated because they are figuring it out in other ways. And Ubre has been productive. Um, he's been an energetic defender for them. He's contributing on both ends, even if he's not able to make threes. And eventually, I think that the it'll just he's not this bad of a three point shooter, man. He's just not, and he he'll he'll snap out of it at some point. You just sort of have to to push through it, right? And and I think the Warriors have the right the right mentality now. Again, if it's 30 games into the season and Ubre hasn't figured it out, then you have some real questions. You're like, okay, this guy's not, this guy's not figuring it out. This is, I think this is more than a shooting slump, but I still believe that there'll be a reversion to the mean at some point. But after that, you may have to consider making some changes, maybe just benching him completely. I don't know. But who wants to be the guy that walks into Joe Lacob's office and said, hey, that those $80 million you just spent on Kelly Ubre, he's not going to play for us anymore. So I don't know what the answer is if you're Steve Kerr. Not bad. I mean, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. But I'm not so. overrated. But he had. He's providing energy and effort, and yeah. um, you know, he just having the athleticism on the floor helps. Um, I, 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 and and like you said earlier, he's going to be a free agent this summer. So if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, the truth is, the stakes really aren't high this season. 
Like we we can talk no. about making the playoffs as much as we want, but ultimately, is like uh, is winning a first round series really that big a deal? I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is a team, this is a franchise that's all about winning titles, given their recent history. Well, uh, I will, I'll push back on that because if you want to try to win titles next year, whatever playoff experience you can get is only going to help these young guys. Um, and you need and look, they they like to talk about Warriors culture all the time. That's not a thing that you just purchase at the store and now have, right? That's a living, breathing organism that you have to nurture and take care of. So if you miss the playoffs twice in a row, or you or you get swept in the first round or something, then I start to believe less in your culture. I'm sorry, you, just, you don't you don't get to keep having this culture. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so you get one mulligan season. They got it last year. You don't get two. Uh, certainly not two in a row. Look, I think with Ubre, the one thing that he does provide is he's an agent of chaos, right? And they need that element on this team. Andrew Wiggins is not that. Steph Curry is. Draymond Green can manufacture a little bit, but he's more of a steady hand than an agent of chaos. Defensively, he can be. But they need that little that little pizzazz. They need that little something in that in that group to give them a, a boost. And I, I, I'm telling you, and I I really do believe this. We're talking about Kelly Ubre in this way now. I, I think in a by the end of the season, we will have there will have been a stretch of four, five, six games where we're like, wow, Kelly Oubre has really turned it around. And you and I are writing our big, you know, Kelly Oubre turned it around story. And that's what and we're going to I promise you it's going to happen. I promise you, Connor. I promise the people are saying it will happen. It always happens. This is the NBA this is how it works. Um, so I'm not again, I'm not I'm not all that concerned. I'm not. And, and to your point, the stakes really aren't high when it comes to Oubre. I get questions all the time about, can he stick around? No, he's gone after the season. I don't care how well he plays. If he plays really well, the Warriors aren't going to be able to afford him next year because you're not going to pay somebody that much money to come off the bench when Klay Thompson comes back. And if he plays really poorly, then the Warriors aren't going to want to resign him. It's, there's, there's, this, is the, this is a marriage out of convenience for both Kelly Oubre and the Warriors. The Warriors needed somebody to play minutes in, in, in place of Klay Thompson. Kelly Oubre needed somebody to let him play so that he can earn uh, his next big contract in a contract year. They're going to shake hands at the end of this. So they say, hey, that was really fun. That was sick. Thanks for that. Goodbye. That's it. Yeah, and he doesn't want to be a seventh man, even on a, a sixth or seventh man, even on a good team. Um, he wants to be averaging 20 points per game somewhere, um, which is understandable. Um, and uh, it's, un- it's unfortunate for him because, uh, you know, he's been on the move so much in his life and his career, but – Hopefully this could be his last pit stop before he finds the actual place where he can have the rest of his career. Um, Wes, thank you so much for, for joining me again on the podcast. Um, where can our, our readers and listeners find your stuff in case they're getting tired of reading my stuff? Um, <laughs> where can they find it? They, they, they shouldn't get tired of reading your stuff. They should just spend more time reading. Reading is good for the brain. Um, MercuryNews.com or where my articles are. I tweet them out over on Twitter at uh, WC Goldberg. Listen to my podcast, Lockdown Warriors. Um, that's it. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.